The best way to predict the future is to invent it. Stephen Ambrose brings you up to speed on what the future holds as he explores the latest technology as it impacts our lives. Well, welcome to Tech Talk right here on High FM. And as usual, we're trying to stay on top of all the craziness that's technology, all the changes that are happening. And it's a, a little bit of an interesting time on many, many fronts. Later on, we're going to be talking about cybersecurity. I know it's a it's one of those sort of topics that keeps cropping up, but South Africa seems to be on the radar. There's no question that we're seeing a really big rise in security threats and security problems. And um, there are lots of reasons for that. And I'm going to bring in an expert in this field. It's Jason O'Reilly from Advanced Intellect. He's the director of, of cybersecurity and strategy around that. And uh, let's hear what he has to say. But before we get there, the big winner of the COVID pandemic and the craziness that locked the world down was Zoom. Now, Zoom... <laughs> Everybody knows Zoom. Everyone's had a Zoom call. It's almost become a generic, oh, I'm busy on a Zoom call. I'll doesn't matter whether it's Teams, doesn't matter whether it's what. It's a Zoom call, and I'll call you back later. Because it became the de facto way to stay in touch, and they played it to perfection. Microsoft caught up fast, no question, with Teams. Google always had a system, also came along quickly, along with all the other corporate platforms from Cisco and many, many, many other forms of uh, communication. And good old Skype even came a long way to try to help and has become integrated into Windows 11. So video calling has become a new hygiene factor in business. A lot of companies are not working five days in the office anymore. They've either given up their buildings Things have changed. So the simple fact is that video calling as part of a business process, as part of any form of interaction, as you as a customer with businesses, with your bank, you can sign documents on Zoom. It's just become an absolutely essential part of how we run our businesses, run our lives and work and get on with things. So it's not going away anytime soon. And Interestingly, Zoom has launched a South African office. And um, that, for me, is actually quite a big deal because communications in South Africa have grown by leaps and bounds. Our mobile infrastructure, when the power is on, is, is quite a big deal. And we're definitely seeing a huge, huge uptake in, in video, you know, video conferencing at any particular level. Now, Zoom are working with a couple of local distributors. But what's even more interesting, you can carry on just using Zoom by signing up online and doing the usual stuff. But what they're also doing, which is quite interesting, is that you can, they've got their own thing called bring your own carrier phone product in South Africa. Oh dear, someone's trying to phone me, which is not cool. And the native version of Zoom phone is being launched. It's cloud-based, and it's actually a voice over IP system, which is integrated in the Zoom app, which allows you to switch between voice and video calls. That is now available locally, and um, absolutely will see how that all pans out and see what's going on in the next little while. And their sales have increased, again, 170% in the last couple of months. And we're going to see a massive boom in this type of thing. And the products and services around Zoom are definitely increasing considerably. So the VoIP, 
voice over IP system, which gives you an internet phone wherever you are in the world, whatever you're doing, helps a lot. They're also launching a bring your own uh, version. It's not available in African nations, but it is available in South Africa. Then you can select a telecoms provider that best, best suits your needs. So in other words, what you can do if you have a Zoom thing and you want to integrate it with your office telephone system, you can do that as well. So a lot of changes, a lot of focus, and I think we're going to see a lot of growth in the South African uh, environment with regard to this in quite a big way. The next little uh, news article that has really come across recently is that I spoke about it a while back. ADSL is ending in South Africa. No question, it is old technology, it's super slow, mobile is far faster, and fiber obviously is a million times faster. But Telcom have said they're going to switch off ADSL. Now, there are a lot of people who still have ADSL, and Telcom are offering a great deal. If you switch across to one of the other, either fiber, LTE, or whatever surf service to replace its copper-based product, it would add, it would cost you nothing to put the fiber in. It would cost you nothing. There's no migration fees, no setup fees, nothing. And they will also pay your first month for free if you stay with them. The benefit of having fiber in your area is that you can pick anybody. However, in some cases, that may not be the case, and you'll probably have to switch or stay with Telcom. And they're offering quite a good deal to do that. And I highly recommend that if, for whatever reason, even if you say it's not important and you really don't do a lot of streaming and you don't need super fast internet, I think it's really important that you move off ADSL if you're still using it and you switch to fiber or LTE or some, you know, those are the two choices that make a lot of sense. One, the pricing is actually better. Two, it disconnects you from having your, your, your phone line and your internet all in one package. And it definitely gives you a lot more options and it will make, it will result in a far more a stable and proper solution which goes ahead. But what Telcom have done, they've actually said they're not switching off the ADSL network anytime soon. Um, we gain, they will keep it going pretty much indefinitely because they've got a lot of customers where they just don't have other options. And at least it works uh, quite well. They've also offered something which they call naked ADSL, which means that people like, um, you don't need it. Up to now, you needed a phone number in order to have an ADSL service, which added 119 or 100, 200 rand a month to your bill for a phone you may or may not want. Now you can just buy the ADSL from either Telcom or others and pay only for the ADSL. So you can save the whole phone line rental fee alongside the broadband service, which is quite a good thing. But my advice is very simple. ADSL time has come and gone. There's going to be a, a level of service that you're just not going to be happy about. Either the speeds will be terrible or it's going to switch off. They're going to steal copper cables continuously or they'll break or they'll get wet. It's just, by today's standards, an incredibly inefficient way to use broadband. You would probably get a much better service just using your phone as a hotspot. So if you have ADSL, time to move on, despite the fact that Telcom have decided that they're not switching it off anytime soon. Now, the next interesting thing is that Zappa has just taken uh, stuff to the next level. And guess what they're doing? They're offering a tap-to-pay service on for all their, their vendors. So wherever you see a Zappa vendor where, or you see their QR code, if you don't have Zappa on your phone, up to now you've needed Zappa the app, 
you need to link your credit card to the app and you needed to pay through the app by scanning the QR code. Well, they've literally taken it to the next level. You go to a flea market, you go to an informal market, you even go to some formal little shops and food places, notably in Cape Town, it's a lot bigger. And you want to just pay using your phone, you know, Apple Pay, Samsung Pay, or your card. Well, guess what? Zap have now enabled their merchant devices to accept tap-to-pay cards, no problem. So we'll be back with a with a, a little chat about cybersecurity and what it means for you straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back and welcome to Tech Talk Cafe, where we always try to bring you interesting people and interesting topics. But before we get there, and as we technologically try to connect to Jason O'Reilly from Intellect, anyway, we now... Um, going to talk about cybersecurity, and I do believe we have a certain Jason O'Reilly, who's the Director of Cybersecurity at uh, Advanced Intellect, on the line. Are you there, Jason? Good morning, Stephen. Good morning. Now, just to set the scenario, over the last couple of weeks, I've reported on, and it's been all over the press, there have been a huge amount of security breaches in South Africa, and as a result, I don't know if it's direct because these have this these breaches, as you will explain to us, have long tails. But there seems to be a massive rise in cybersecurity attacks, and it's costing people money, be it on their bank accounts, wherever. There seems to be a, a massive rise in cybersecurity threats within the South African context. So, give us a little bit of insight what you you are seeing because you deal with a lot of these large companies. And they definitely are reporting some form of upswing and upsurge in in cyber in, in cyber threats. Correct, correct. And and again, um, I think you, you know what happens at the end of the day is that you know there's there's a there's an underground community that exists, right? And and that's of course called the dark web. Um, we know it's syndicated. Uh, we know that it is effectively monetized. Um, we know that. You know, the minute that they find a soft target, they then exploit that soft target, right? So what we're seeing in the South African environment, and and we've seen it at national government level, we've seen it in, uh, for example, TransUnion, um, really what's happening is is they're effectively through automated means right now, a lot of it is automated, believe it or not, um, they are exploiting basic cyber hygiene that is not happening. Um, one of the biggest challenges we have is that you know, these are large companies we're seeing, right? These are the guys that report it because due to regulation, uh, which is obviously the Papia Act, um, as well as the Cybercrime Act, um, they need to be telling us what's happening. And unfortunately, that yet hasn't cascaded down into some of our medium-sized, smaller-sized companies. So we're experiencing a lot of challenges there as well. Um, Sorry, let me just quickly interrupt you there. I think that's quite a important thing. In terms of all the legislation around data privacy and cybersecurity, companies have an absolute legal obligation to inform all the people that they deal with if there is a breach or a, or a, somehow their data is being accessed in a non-correct manner. And you're saying that smaller companies, unfortunately, are either unaware that they've been breached or are not being totally upfront about when they are being breached. 
Look, and, and I think this is this is a key reason why we are being exploited, right? Remember, regulation and legislation hasn't existed. Um, you know, we've we've had a a version of the ECT Act, right? And if we look if we look abroad uh, into Europe and we look into Americas and we look into obviously some of the other Eastern territories, is regulation uh, when it comes to digital or uh, digital communities and you know how they use the internet. I mean, that's been legislated and regulated for a very long time, right? Which means everybody has to be practicing something. They have to, if they are audited, they have to be able to prove that they're doing the best for their consumer possible. South Africa, we still have a long way to go. Um, you know, yes, Popia has now been enacted. Um, you, you know, you've got a lot of a lot of customers that are concerned about it, a lot of customers that really don't know. Um, so really what's happening and we see it is, you know, we do see people reporting the losses right now, but those are the larger companies, mostly listed companies, because they know it's part of their fiduciary duties. Um, into the smaller space, uh, you're not you're not seeing that, right? You're not. However, uh, if for some reason they do get caught, um, there obviously are hefty fines, and executives can stand uh, can stand to to effectively be uh, be prosecuted as well. So, it's it's a it's a bit of a conundrum at the moment because again, like South Africa, we've always been able to dig our head in the grounds and uh, and not really have to deal with this problem. The, it is becoming a significant challenge now because everything is going online. Every Everybody's talking about digital transformation. Everybody's looking at a new app being developed and people making millions. And we all want a piece of this. And that 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 you know that revolution is happening. And the problem is is people are not looking or organisations are not understanding the minute that they embrace the internet as part of their e-commerce or e-community or digital transformation strategy because they want to get more. Um, it means they need to start investing more in digital and, and cyber resilience. And we're finding that the foundations and the fundamentals are, are not in place. They're not, you know, they're not patching vulnerabilities. They're they're not understanding where their IP address exists on the internet. They have very little visibility. So we have this little phrase in, in cybersecurity, you know, there's no silver bullet. That's sort of almost, almost a, a get out of jail clause, right? But very simply is that so many organizations don't understand where their IP exists and how it could potentially be susceptible to uh, to the hacking community out there. That makes a lot of sense. So in essence, what you're trying to say is that there's a first and foremost, there's a sort of maturity hygiene that needs to exist within any country. But South Africa is not alone. I mean, the UK is having huge problems. France is being attacked considerably. There are many, many um, countries that are seeing a massive uptick. Canada, the USA are seeing a massive uptick percentage-wise of cyber attacks. Right. But specifically in South Africa, do you believe that there's a, a, a lack, a complete lack of maturity within the user base as to what constitutes good practice? I think we need to take a step back. One of the things, you know, if you have a look at, and we'll talk about digital natives, right? People that embrace the internet on a daily basis in their lives, smartphones, laptops, corporate networks, virtual private networks. If you look at the percentage of the uh, of the country that actually have access to this, you, you get a very clear sense that between 
10 and 20% of the country actually know how to use this, uh, embrace it, um, also get educated on the, the, the fantastic upside of utilizing this technology and how it can change lives and humanity. But you also have a very clear view is that there is also a part of that population that actually doesn't understand that you've got quite a, a we call it a shared responsibility, right? You know, you, you think that you're surfing a corporate network and everything is okay and you expect IT to fix it. However, what we're seeing is that more and more, we, we know the unemployment in our countries a lot, right? And there is a big drive for us to employ more people. And, you know, this is national government as well. The challenge is this, is along with bringing that employment force, what we're not doing is we're also not educating them of the risks of becoming digital natives, utilizing the internet, knowing what to look out for, the kind of exploitation and scams that exist. So what we're seeing right now is just very simply the ability to exploit um, where hygiene, what we call IT hygiene, so vulnerabilities not being fixed, um, not understanding, you know, your digital footprint on the internet landscape, uh, not knowing, you know, who effectively is attacking the organization if it is being attacked, and and you know, trying to bring a population through that effectively has never been involved with the internet um, really has its own challenges. So what we're seeing right now is, yes, we know there's a campaign. There is definitely a campaign. Ransomware has increased like you don't understand. Uh, phishing scams um, to the individual employee and, and as well as individual person that is using the internet has almost increased 300%. So this is not just a corporate and a country and an individual uh, concern. It's the, the whole landscape from a, a dark web and a hacking community has become a free-for-all. Um, and the problem is, is the more that we digitize, the more as a country we're bringing the digital realms, we have to be bringing along the cyber resilience and the education that goes with this, this fantastic thing that we're showing everybody. And really, we, we're going to see, I mean, like we're seeing now, um, you are going to see a bit of a downturn as we start to educate and we bring people through. And I think, you know, over a period of time, as we get through the digital strategy that we have as a country, sure, we, we you know, legislation will become more mature organizations will become more mature but right now we're you know we're at the cusp of this and you know let's be honest you know the the dark world knows this they know that we're busy growing up and now's the right time to attack because we're switching on so much that's a very 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 interesting take on how the whole thing hangs together so essentially south africa is a very immature uh, market with regard to understanding how and what you need to do to stay safe online. But I think let's discuss that briefly. Obviously, the big companies have got big money and they need to spend it on securing their business like they used to build walls and, and have ID cards and all that sort of stuff. There's, there's obviously a layer of stuff you've got to do online to protect itself and its users and its, its employees. That's one level. But taking it even further than that, is there anything that the average guy out there can do to really protect himself in, it sounds like a little bit of a wild west from a cybersecurity point of view in the South African environment? Because none of us in these sort of challenging times can afford to have your bank account cleared out, to have your credit card misused. I mean, there's financial consequence, obviously, because cybersecurity, as you said, has been weaponized and it's, it's a money-making scam. Correct. Automated to make lots of money. What Correct. is it that you, you advise, starting with me and you, and then moving up to big companies? What can they actually do 
to stay ahead of this game or is it simply a matter of accepting losses until we become mature enough to deal with it? Well, no, um, I, I don't think you need to accept losses. I think the one thing that we know is that the cyber resilience community spends a lot of its time. Uh, technology has evolved dramatically. And and the best way for me is, is firstly, start with education. There is a lot of free education available uh, with the help of our friend Google and how to effectively, responsibly surf websites, what to look out for. So education for me is always the foundation. Um, you know, the minute that you give somebody a rocket launcher, right, you, you really have to help them understand, you know, how to point the rocket launcher in the right place and make sure that ideally it's going in the right direction. And it's the same with the Internet. The Internet has an overwhelming value proposition to anybody. But what we do know about, um, obviously, the dark web and our adversaries, the hackers, is that they've learned how to automate, uh, which effectively means is is that you and I surfing at home, working on an unsecured uh, wireless network, um, will become susceptible without you know, even having to do anything because they're using code. They're they're a lot smarter than uh, than the, what we are and what we can keep up. So the foundations for me is always educate yourself, understand you know the power of what you're using, understand what you need to do to secure yourself, and also understand how you could be susceptible. And then the next step is ideally look at technology. Technology today has evolved. Um, some of the technology that we provide as well as uh, as well as the industry really starts to look at user behavior because, you know, the one thing that we do as human beings is, you know, we're pretty, we, we're mundane. We do the things that we do and we always do a similar thing, right? Very rarely do we do things out of, out of, uh, out of the norm. And the nice thing with technology evolving, it's included things like machine learning, which really understands what we do on a daily basis, user behavior, you know, Again, what we use on a daily basis. So there's a lot of evolution. So technology can help with with the greatest of pleasure. So make sure that technology is enabled on your machines. Um, at the same time, um, ensure that working from home is again also part of your thought process as to how you secure yourselves. Now, the minute that we get into the corporate world, we start to talk about this element of cloud, right? And you know how we all embracing cloud and everything is appified and you know all these and that's great. But nothing has changed. Remember, the cloud is not a safer environment. In some instances, um, safety has been provided, but 90% of the time, it, it's what we call the shared responsibility program, where you need to make sure that whatever you're consuming, so again, small businesses thinking about that, is whatever you're consuming out of uh, the cloud, it's just somebody else's data center, right? But it's still your responsibility to secure the customer information, secure your employees, as well as secure your devices and how you access it. So, You've lost none of the things that you have to do as a business. So again, as we evolve as infrastructure, how we use it and, and, and where we use it, the, the foundations of cybersecurity and cyber resilience haven't changed. You need to make sure that you're patching your applications, your that's mobile. That's a very, sorry to interrupt again, but that's an incredibly important, you know, every time these things happen, we think it's new or something new is happening. But what you're trying to say is that if I correct, understand you correctly, is that nothing actually has changed. The cybersecurity environment might have grown, it might have got more sophisticated, but you, the things you need to do and the, the steps you need to take actually haven't changed with regard to how you deal with these things. Well, in fact, it's got more complex. 
because remember what we what what they used to be. They used to be the the castle and moat scenario. So you would walk into your office uh, every day, you'd close the door behind you, and you would be in this safety zone. You'd have firewalls, you'd have infrastructure security, everything would secure you. The minute that COVID nineteen hit, what started happening is everything sprawled. Everybody started working from home, connections, different infrastructure. Um, so the world changed dramatically two and a half years ago, right? But over and above that, how we consume applications, how we leverage infrastructure, that has become more complex. So as an organization, the complexity has got, it has sprawled. It's so much more difficult now for our IT departments, our CISOs, our information security officers. It's become so much more difficult for them because they're not in control of things how they used to be. Right now, we have IT operations that are really in control because it's about keeping the lights on. It's about making sure that they're available. It's about making sure the infrastructure, whether theirs or, or leased, is, is, is available. So, so the user just wants to work, right? The problem is from an information security perspective um, and also from a cyber resilience perspective, that has changed. So the complexity, by the way, which our hackers know, has changed dramatically. So that's why attackers are becoming so much more successful and using the techniques that they are at the moment is because they know more complexity has been introduced. You can't protect everything. There's very little visibility and cyber hygiene or IT hygiene has lacked because I can't get to that endpoint sitting in Puff Udder because he's only got a 56k dial-in modem and he doesn't yet have <laughs> he, he doesn't yet have a, a full lease line and stuff. So these things are real things for our country, and I think that really paints the picture as to why these attacks are being so successful and the techniques that they're using. That's very, I mean, I love the analogy of the 56K dial-up. I just get the sound of all the, the the connections coming through my head. Unfortunately, I'm old enough to remember those modems. So, but I think that's an excellent point. So essentially, stick to the hygiene that you've always wanted. Make sure that companies have platforms that are fully updated and look for all the latest technologies around actual preventative stuff rather than reactive stuff, I would imagine. And me and you just need to make sure that our passwords are secure, we don't accept emails from strangers, and we follow the basic rules of engagement with regard to not leaving your wallet lying around. I think that should probably help a lot. Correct. And and, and and again, just to just to wrap up, is one of the things for me is remain skeptic, right? Is, you know, verify, validate. If you're unsure, verify and validate again. You know, for me, that is so, so important. We're so eager when money's involved, uh, when it's tax season, when it's Christmas, uh, when it's Valentine's Day. You know, these guys all feed on fear, uncertainty, doubt and excitement. And, you know, we need to know that when it's that time of the year, be far more cautious. And, you know, again, what we do see in the corporate world is your average user is using their corporate information to log on to things like Facebook. They're logging on to things like Instagram. Um, and believe it or not, that actually makes the organization far more susceptible than they ever thought they would be. So, again, also again, just to wrap up, is your digital world at work, your digital world at home is no longer separate. Everything is intertwined. So you've got to be a lot more diligent than you ever were before. Excellent. Well, on that note, I'm afraid we've run out of time as usual. But I think that's excellent advice. Just stay awake, stay aware, and try your best not to get pulled into some excitement if someone's promising you 
4 million rand if you simply send them your banking details. So <laughs> let's chat again soon. There's a lot to unpack and understand on this. Thanks for your time. That was Jason O'Reilly. You can find out more about him on the website, advancedintellect.co.za. So we'll chat again. Thanks, Jason. And we'll take a quick break for our sponsors now. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And now I'm going to be talking about, well, it's not really a gadget. It's a platform. Question I've been asked a lot of late. And moving on to the cloud, we know all the risks and everything around that. Stay, stay aware and stay awake. Don't just click on that email. But on that note, we all use email. We all use some form of word processor online. That's such an old-fashioned term. But we use an app that we can do spreadsheets. We can do letters. We can do presentations. We do a whole lot of stuff every day as both part of our educational life. The kids use it a lot. You and I use it for all sorts of different things. If you're a small business, you use it to present your goods and services to people. If you're a big business, it's part of the corporate practice. But I get asked this question a lot. What's the right package for me with this regard? Obviously, Microsoft have dominated and owned the space for many decades. And their their latest product, which has become the mainstream of what they offer, Office 365, gives you the ability to have a whole suite of apps for a moderate amount of money from 150 Rand upwards, depending I'm not going to talk about the costs right now because you can do that investigation online yourself. But essentially, people want to know which is the best way to go. Now, it's always safe to use Microsoft. There's no question that they've owned the market for a long time. Tons of competitors have come along and some have, some have gone away. But the, the, the combination of Excel, Word, PowerPoint, Outlook for email, Teams for, for video chats, and the sheer integration of all those apps uh, and everything else that Microsoft do, especially for companies with the security built in in the back end and authentication built in in the back end, they've baked uh, Teams and and a version of Skype right into the operating system in Windows 11. So it's very hard if you use a Windows operating system from Microsoft not to find a seamless, easy way to go. However, there are alternatives and Google Google Docs is one of them. There is just no question that that is actually uh, an excellent, easy to use, very simple platform for similar money. The money is not the point here. As I said, you can, if you're a personal user, you can get a whole lot of stuff for free with Google Docs. You get 15 gigabytes of secure drive compared to two terabytes if you pay for it and compared to one terabyte on Office 365. Because remember, all your stuff is now stored in the cloud. You get Gmail or Outlook. You get video and voice conferencing or Teams. You get a centralized administration. You get all the various um, additional presentation tools and everything. And my experience in the time that I've played with all these platforms, which I do quite a bit just to get a sense of which is what and what's going on there, is that from a business point of view, I would suggest you pick one of these or the other. It's difficult to live in both worlds. Not impossible. I mean, if you've got Gmail addresses, you can certainly use them in Outlook. And if you've got uh, Microsoft email addresses that have done through Office 365, 
you can definitely use them in the Google world as well. But what you lose is the sheer integration of all the various applications. So my advice right up front is to pick one. Pick Office 365 or Google Workspace. If you want the free versions and if you really are a, not terribly concerned about everything and you're happy with a Gmail address, then stay with the Google Docs, the Google free environment. It's all online. There are no apps. The one huge differentiator between Microsoft and Google in this space is Microsoft make all their apps available as a downloadable suite, which you can use offline almost completely. Google does offer an offline ability, but it's not quite as comprehensive as actually having the application on your computer downloaded and ready to go for when you reconnect. Interestingly enough, most of these guys, Microsoft and Google, expect everyone to live in a world where you always got connectivity, no matter where you are, and it's of a reasonable enough speed to allow you to access all your documents and deal with your documents and save them online in real time without having to worry about it sitting on your computer. The benefit for that is that your hardware becomes utterly independent of your work. So if you go somewhere and pick up someone's computer and log in to your account on Google or Microsoft online, you can see everything, do everything. You're not tied to anything, which makes a big difference. So. To, to put this whole thing in perspective, they are largely competitive. However, Microsoft in the workspace and certainly in the corporate space absolutely has the edge. Your PowerPoint presentations will always work. It works across Mac. It works across um, Windows devices, though, interestingly, because of fonts and little subtle things, taking a PowerPoint created on a Mac and running it on Windows sometimes does some interesting stuff. But that aside you'll find that you're working across mobile, tablets, wherever you are, you'll find a very solid consistency and integration and high level of functional tools that literally can be automated. And a lot of companies do that for you on the Microsoft platform, which is very hard to replicate. If your needs are a little simpler, or perhaps um, for whatever reason, you don't want to use Microsoft 365, Google Workspace is a very, very competitive solution. It is pretty much the same in terms of cost. And in functionality, I would say, uh, if you want a percentage, around about 90 to 94%, I won't go as high as 95%, functional with regard to what you can do on the platform. And truth be told, 99% of us using stats again, will probably use 10% of the capability of these massive uh, programs because there is just so much going on. So if you're looking for a suite that totally integrates Google and everything on Google into your, your workflow, then the, the Google Workspace is extremely good for that. Both of them, Microsoft 365 and Google Workspace, do allow you to use your own domain because for most businesses, it's much better to be dot, you know, at whatever.com or .co.za rather than at Gmail. It's a lot more professional. And when you send someone an email for business at gmail.com, you may be not taken quite as seriously. Both of them will allow that. I find that uh, Google is much easier to administer from that point of view. They take you through a lot better tutorials. The other defining factor for me is that in emails, if you've got a lot of emails, the Google search function is leagues and bounds ahead of what you find in, in Outlook and Office 365. 
Sorry, Microsoft, that's one area where Google seemed to have it completely and utterly waxed. And on that note, we can have a quick break for our sponsors, and I'll be back with a couple of last little gizmos and gadgets that we need to look at in the next couple of minutes. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And just to wrap up the show, the good news, this is great news, across the world, across the country, um, and lots of platform players in that space, Airbnb, all the travel companies um, are reporting that COVID seems to be no longer a big deal and travel is back. There's chaos at airports because they've understaffed after two years of no travel. Um, There's chaos in hotels with service. They cannot find the people. However, if you're planning any trips and travels, one thing you don't want to worry about is landing with no connectivity. And for a long time, I've recommended a company called Kno Roaming. And I use the K because if I say no roaming, everyone forgets the K and they can't find it. KnoRoaming.com. They've rebranded themselves as KESIM, which has maybe made them a little less applicable to some people. They only sell eSIMs. But if you're looking for connectivity when you travel Europe, America, wherever you go in the world, this is the quickest, simplest, not the very least expensive. You can get it slightly cheaper. But I would highly recommend that if you're going anywhere in the world and you want to land and you have a phone that's capable of handling eSIMs, you want to land, switch on your mobile, you've got instant connectivity with decent data speeds at very reasonable cost compared to um, roaming. You cannot roam. No matter what packages your local MTN, Vodacom, Telcom offer you, you cannot use them to roam. It's stupid expensive. And then you run around looking for Wi-Fi, which is ubiquitous, but not really simple to use. You want to land in a place, switch on your phone, instantly have connectivity, and get on with your life because you cannot not use all these cloud services we've been talking about. So check it out. They often have a lot of promotions. It's extremely simple to do. You just buy it online. They email you a QR code. You scan the QR code. It's instantly on your phone and working the minute you land wherever you land. And the pricing, as I said, is very competitive. It certainly makes a big difference. So give it a look and give them a, a try. It's it's knowroaming.com. They've got packages for pretty much anywhere in the world. And if you're going to start traveling, which I hope you do because times might be tough, but there's nothing wrong with getting out of Dodge and having a wonderful time on a beach or in Europe or wherever it is that you want to go. And you want to be connected and stay in touch and travel and use your maps and get your emails. This is a great, simple, easy-to-use solution that works pretty much. I've tried it everywhere, and it really works very, very well. And on that note, I'm being told it's time to wrap up and and um, call it a day for another another session of Tech Talk. Stay tuned. Come back every week at this time and find out about the latest about gizmos, gadgets, and technology that impacts all our lives. This is Stephen Ambrose for Tech Talk on High FM.